You're listening to The Support Report with Be Present, where we share real stories from young adults and how support changed their lives. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Support Report. We are Be Present. I am your co-host, Justin Peters, joined by always Kiara Riga. Kiara, how are you? I'm not too bad. How about you, Justin? Uh, just doing fine and dandy. I, I'm looking forward to, and I can't wait, is this conversation. So joining us today, Laura Hope. She is. She played a huge role as the supporter with when her partner, Will, was diagnosed with testicular cancer in November 2020. She's got a bunch of goodies for us, and hopefully we get into a few other good uh, conversation topics. But Laura, welcome to the podcast. Excited to um, help untail your story a little bit. So let's start there with Will. November 2020 sounded like he had a bit of a scare and things unfolded very quickly after that. Do you mind just kind of giving us a summary of of Will's story and kind of the subsequent months that led after? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, it did. Things happened very quickly. 2020, as we all remember, was already a very trying year. Um, And Will had been saying, um, I feel like there is a lump on my testicle. And um, I didn't believe him, <laughs> which is, of course, something I, you know, later felt a lot of guilt about. But um, I was like, I don't feel anything like it feels fine, you know. Um, and I told him, you have to stop complaining about it unless you're willing to get it checked out. Um, and so finally, he got an appointment with his GP and he went in um, on a Friday, on a Friday at like 10 a.m., she felt it. She was like amazing. She took really detailed notes. She did not like the feel of this. Um, and what we found out later is testicular cancer is very common. Will um, at the time was uh, 27. Uh, he was he turned 27 like a week before all of this went down. Um, but it's a really common cancer for men that age. Um, it's the most common cancer for for young men. So she did not like the feel of it. She wanted him to get an ultrasound that day. Um, so he went up to get an ultrasound and they were like, oh, we can't squeeze you in until probably early December. And this was November 6th. And so he was like, oh, I, okay. And so he left and he called me from the, um, on his way home. And I was like, I don't like that. That's, what? Like, I don't like that she's concerned. I don't like that we're waiting all this time, like weeks to be seen. Um, and so when he got back to our apartment, um, he received a call from the urologist that works with this general practitioner and he was on his day off. Um, but she emailed him again, these very detailed notes. I cannot, I mean, she was truly amazing. It's unfortunate that a lot of people don't have people in their corner, but we very much the doctors took it seriously right away, which was um, unfortunately a rarity, but very fortunate in our case. Um, And he emailed Will um, and then called him uh, saying, I'm the urologist. I don't like the sound of this. I want you to go to the emergency room right now. Um, Use my name. They'll look at you. I'm not saying they're going to like remove your testicle or anything right now, but like you need to get to the emergency room. So Suddenly it was like, oh, this is a very serious, something is going on. So we get to the emergency room and um, this was November of 2020 um, and we live in New York City and I couldn't be with him. So I was in the waiting room. We were separated. Um, Fast forward really quickly. um, We were told it looks like cancer, looks like testicular cancer. Um, 
they needed to go ahead and do what's called an orchiectomy, which is removing the testicle. Um, they couldn't get a surgeon <laughs> to come that night. Just all of this red tape, you know, and, I, and I'm in the waiting room this whole time. I'm freaking out. I'm calling his mom. I'm calling, you know, mm. he's calling me with the doctors, like putting me on speaker. It was just like, it was a lot of back and forth. Um, felt like the longest, you know, like 26 hours of our lives. Um, and eventually they just decided, okay, we're going to keep him overnight. We're going to schedule him for surgery at like 6am the next day. He'll be the first surgery. Um, and that's, here we go. So we had a plan. Um, and, and again, they had said it, it does look like cancer, but it's testicular cancer. Like hopefully we'll remove the testicle and we'll be fine. Um, which for many men is, is the way it goes for many men. They remove the testicle and then they move to surveillance. And that's pretty much as, as far as it goes. Um, so then the next morning they did the orchiectomy and then we started the waiting game, which anyone that has ever had scans, right, just like waiting for that pathology report is the longest couple weeks of your life. Um, but we were feeling like pretty like, okay, like maybe, maybe this is going to be the end of it. Um, but also we were told by some of the doctors that when they looked at his abdomen, um, there, it, it had likely spread, but we weren't, we weren't sure yet. Um, so we did get the report back and, um, it was in fact cancerous, um, and they needed to bring him back in and they discovered that it, it had indeed spread to his lower abdomen. Um, and they wanted to do what's called an RPLND, um, which is basically they cut you open. <laughs> um, and we were very fortunate. They, they used a Da Vinci robot to do um will's uh rplnd but for a lot of men they like literally take out all your organs and then they remove all these lymph nodes and then they put your organs it's like just like Ugh. it's like the game of op operation like literally like operation um so it was a pretty intense surgery it ended up being about 12 hours we were hoping it'd be eight hours but it ended up being 12 hours and again Twenty twenty, I couldn't see him. Like I what couldn't. A terrible it was time just, to. I, it we've, was had a, uh, we've had multiple terrible. guests that have gone through this experience in twenty 2020 twenty and oh into twenty twenty one, and it's just not good. It's like no good time to get cancer. Certainly, always sucks. But this was like just yeah. You, I felt really far away. Um, and so they did this crazy surgery. They removed all of these lymph nodes. They tested them and um, about half of them were cancerous. So they were like, this has spread further than we feel comfortable um, with. We need to move to chemo. So then four rounds of chemo later, um, Will is cancer free. Um, and um, we are coming up on the two year anniversary of when he was diagnosed, but we are about, we are over a year cancer free. Um, we've moved to, um, scans every year. Soon it'll be every two years. Then it'll be every five years. It's very exciting. Um, so that's kind of the abridged version. Just again, the 2020 thing during chemo, I was initially told that I would be able to be with him, um, go to chemo with him. And I was like, great, I'm going to be there every day. And they changed the rules the Monday we started. So oh. Monday I went with him expecting to be let back and they sent me home. And that was one of the, you know, these, there were moments that were really hard for me that I didn't expect to be so hard. Like 
Will losing his hair was one of the most difficult things for me. He was he handled it much better than than I did. And we were just on the couch watching TV and he ran his fingers through his hair and just all of a sudden just his hand was full of his hair and I lost it. I was, you know, for the first time he looked like he started to really look sick. And that was hard for me. Um, not even so much will, but for me, it was really hard. Um, so anyway, we got through chemo, we got through cancer. He's amazing. He's doing really, really well. Um, his hair, gorgeous. Yeah, for real. Oh my gosh. Chemo curls are real guys. Does that happen so- to everybody? Cause my good friend Mason also had testicular cancer. He had straight short hair for the most part. And he came back and he was so curly that first like yeah. month or two after his, when his hair started growing back. Yes. It's amazing. Like I think from what I've heard, it seems like almost anyone who's had chemo, it happens like no matter what type of chemo it is, like it comes back curly. So yeah, the one I- only perk of chemo. <laughs> I'm on an oral chemo. And so I lost like three quarters of my hair and now it's starting to grow back and it's in like crazy ringlets, but then I have the straight parts. Oh, but too. then you have the other part. It doesn't know what it's doing yet, but um, yeah, the chemo curls, I've heard mixed feelings about them, but like on the people it works for, it works. It's yeah. like really cool. <laughs> yeah. Laura, yeah. what's your take? You like the chemo curls on on Will? I love the chemo oh, curls. I will so say though, Will. <laughs> they work for Will. Will looks very cute with them, but I will say it was there was an awkward face as he was growing it out. There was <laughs> it looked a little awkward. He also like he looked. I don't think anyone looks their best on chemo, like <laughs> during chemo. But Will looked like a cue ball fully because he was on all these steroids. <laughs> His face was so puffy and big and he was so bald and, you know, it was just poor guy. He <laughs> now he looks great. <laughs> he looks prime. So, I, I, <laughs> I didn't quite get far enough back in your Instagram to realize to see if you were posting some things real time with Will's cancer journey. But you are very active on Instagram, mostly yeah. mostly in the health and wellness space. But I do see Will pop up fairly frequently and you yeah. talk about his cancer journey as well. Was there communication between the two of you and comfort level with uh you guys you sharing about will's cancer journey has he is he also very into instagram and very okay with you documenting the journey or did you have to have a conversation with him about it yeah we did we did have a conversation so yes i run um my health and wellness business via instagram um and when all this was happening i sat down with will and at first i was like okay if i'm not on Instagram, people are going to be concerned. Like I need to just like, should I just tell them we're dealing with something? Should I tell them what's going on? Like, what are you, we're very open and honest communication wise. And he was like, I think we should share about this. It was his idea actually. And I think it's one of the most courageous things he's ever done because we've had friends say, I'm, I'm checking, I'm in the shower and I'm feeling myself up. I'm like checking my testicles because it is, it's very, I'm, I'm so, I mean, it sounds like your friend too. Like it's, it's a really, really common cancer yeah. in young men. Um, fortunately it's treatable, especially if it's caught early. And so we'll, will was really like, let's, let's share about this. And there were certainly things we kept off of Instagram, but, um, I'm, I'm very active and open on there. And, and I really think, um, I actually connected with a lot of 
really amazing. I call them my testy besties. Um, really amazing, like caretakers. Um, other, you know, usually, usually, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, falls on on women, um, on partners or mothers. Um, caring for these men. And I connected with a lot of them. And it was nice because I felt like I could sort of be the voice. I could sort of say these things that like people don't want to say, people don't want to admit to, like, I hated being a caretaker. I hated it. I, I didn't thrive. It doesn't come naturally to me. It was really hard. I, um, I think some people really flourish uh, and I was not one of those people. Um, and so in being open and honest about that, I really connected with a lot of other women that were like, oh, thank goodness. I thought I was supposed to be crushing this and I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was nice. So um, yeah, Will was really open. I mean, we actually, when he started to lose his hair, we live streamed shaving his head. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I saw the picture. I saw the post buzz yeah. picture, but I didn't realize you guys live streamed it as well. Yeah, we live streamed it and it was a blast. And Will made a playlist. It was like Willow Smith. I whipped my hair back and forth, you know, like he made a whole playlist. And, you know, we tried to like, we just, we tried to find joy or silliness in, in the really awful thing that was going on. Um, and I think that that was really important. And I will say too, like we did know he was going to survive. Um, and I definitely think that's an important part of our story. And, um, it, it, it's just so sad that not everyone has that. Um, but that was, that was never something that we, um, really had to grapple with. I mean, of course we did, Uh, of course we were always like, but there is a chance, like what it, you know, and you try not to let your mind go there. And that also, was an interesting thing. I think for, I think both of us had sort of survivor's guilt a little bit. Um, like we shouldn't be complaining because we know Will's going to survive or like, I shouldn't be sad because I know he's going to survive. And that was kind of a hard, um, thing to walk. Right. Because it was like, Oh, so many people have it worse. And so many people don't survive this. And that's, also hard. And, um, so I think that was, that was sort of a, a balancing act as well. Survivor's guilt is such a tricky thing. I mean, as someone with a eventually terminal diagnosis, like I hear people say this all the time, like, Oh, I shouldn't be complaining because it's so much worse for you. It's like, everyone's experience is so, so valid. I haven't had IV chemo yet. I will. And so Will's experience might have even been more difficult than mine. And so like easier said than done from my side, but please don't feel that way because every single experience is so valid. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's um, I did want to ask you though, I often, and you kind of alluded to this, feel that the caregiver role is the hardest of anyone in within the cancer world because we have a treatment plan and the doctor's working with us and you know we're kind of in survival mode whereas you have to be thinking about everything and yeah. we all know you can't pour from an empty cup so how did you prioritize yourself while also being a caretaker for Will yeah um Whew, definitely another balancing act for sure. Um, and again, this this was 2020. Um, had this been any other time, we would have 
really been able to kind of rely on friends and family. Um, but you know, when he started chemo, he was immunocompromised and, um, we couldn't have people come and help. Um, and that was hard because it, it did, it did feel like it um, all fell on me. Um, I think, uh, I've, I'm, I run a health and wellness and nutrition, um, business. And for me, I knew that continuing these very simple habits was really important. Um, one thing that I really tried to do, and I think until people are in this state, they emotional is <laughs> real. Um, but so is, um, like anesthesia, like after anesthesia, um, people tend, people can get really emotional. So Will never wanted me to leave like the apartment. Um, it was very, um, scary for him. And, and a lot of it was like all of the drugs and all of the steroids and all of these things that he was on. Um, but I made a very specific point to leave our apartment every single day. Um, that was really, really important for me. And whether that was, and again, this was 2020, right? This wasn't really, I couldn't really go like <laughs> anywhere except for like walks and stuff. And again, once he was immunocompromised, you know, we weren't going to the grocery store. We weren't going to the laundromat. Like we weren't going inside places. Um, but I um, am a runner. I continued running. I continued a running practice, continued getting outside. Um, and I continued just some sort of moving my body, you know, in whatever way that felt good. Um, I also, I really tried to continue to eat well. And it's interesting because I'm a very much an emotional eater. And so you'd think, oh my gosh, you just go totally off the rails. But Will wasn't really eating much. So it was like, it's, it was almost easier because I just made sure to get him his whatever he would eat. I'd love to be like, oh my gosh, I only fed him organic and I made him <laughs> soups and I like made him like spirulina, whatever. Like, no, whatever he was, whatever he would eat is what we would give him. Um, which was great advice that someone gave me for chemo. It was like, he's going to not want to eat. He's going to be nauseous. He's going to whatever, just whatever you can give him. And that a lot of times look like butter noodles, <laughs> like butter noodles was great. Like he could keep it down and the butter adds like, you know, just like adds calories. Right. Or like I'd make him smoothies and I just put like a bunch of nut butter in there, just calories. Right. Just trying to get him to eat something. Um, but I tried to continue to eat at least one vegetable a day, like these little tiny milestones that I felt that I could take on. Um, and I was fortunate that I had had these habits in place before this all happened. Um, you know, I think the stress of being a caregiver is so intense. Um, and just your mind, your mind also kind of starts to go because you have all of this information. So trying to make it easier for yourself, a great piece of advice that someone gave me is for doctor's visits, just hit record like voice memo on your phone and just have that running because I feel like I blacked out the first like two months of, of any doctor visits. I'm like, wait, what was I supposed to do? <laughs> um, so having that was really helpful. Um, it's true. You, you cannot pour from an empty cup and it's hard and it feels selfish sometimes, but it's just so much better for the person because there were days that I was not 
giving myself what I needed and I would snap at will. And then I'd feel worse. Um, cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, here's this poor guy that has cancer. And I'm just yelling at him that he can't, you know, get his own granola bar or whatever, you know? And it was, <laughs> um, it's, it really quickly, you see, like, it's not like you got to take care of yourself. Um, and just being open with, with your partner or your, whoever you're caregiving for. I think that's important too, is like having that conversation. They might not like it either. Like it, they might not, like I said, Will did not want me to leave. And me saying like, I know you're the one that has cancer and I shouldn't really be telling you what I need, but I'm glad I did. I'm glad that I made that point. Um, and so is he now, now looking back, he's like, oh yeah, of course I needed to get out. (laughs) Did you, Yeah. were you able to maintain some semblance of your guys's relationship as well? I mean, of course you were supporting him and he was doing what he could with you too, but in terms of like your guys's romantic interests, date nights, things like that, especially during chemo, uh, chemo and, and treatment as well, were you guys, did you guys do any planning around that or try to like keep romance and flair a fire or was it like, yeah, let's figure out the yeah. cancer thing. <laughs> it was, it was really interesting. Right. Because again, like, you know, he's 27. Right. I'm like, I'm 20, like, I was 27 at the time and you know, um, young couple, like, um, how long so, were you guys together or been together at this point in time? Um, seven years Okay, married are- for, Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. This is 2020. We've been <laughs> together now almost eight years. So at the time, okay six years. Okay. Um, we were married already. Um, we like snuck in right before COVID we got married in 2019. Um, but we were together for like four years before then. Um, so it was really interesting in that sense. Um, I love talking about this. I hope like this. Okay. Um, but, um, at first, you know, when he first got his orchiectomy, shockingly, the orchiectomy is a pretty quick recovery. Um, it's pretty fast. Like, all things can, it seems like it shouldn't be because it's a testicle. Um, but it's, it's actually a pretty quick recovery. So then it was like sort of fine. I loved, like, we love joking about it. Like, honestly, you guys, like, you can't tell, like if I saw Will, like, and I didn't know, like, I would have no idea that he only had one testicle. Like you can't really tell. Um, but then after the surgery, the surgery, he was pretty much immobile for an entire week um men that have to have the manual rplnd it's like four weeks it's like even longer um so after that it was pretty there was nothing physical really happening um and what we later found out um is that sometimes the rplnd can mess with nerves and um can lead to what's called retrograde ejaculation um And so suddenly we had all these fertility questions Um, and we had planned on banking sperm Um, for anyone with testicular cancer, any testicular cancer does not necessarily affect fertility. You only need one testicle. You only need one healthy one, like um, creating sperm. Like it's, it does not mean anything for fertility. However, some of the treatments those might, um, they're still not really sure about chemo and fertility. Um, there's just not enough evidence uh, to suggest anything either way. It's also fertility is such a tricky thing in general that many men just may have had issues before. It might not have been the chemo. Maybe it was the chemo. We're just not really sure. Um, so we'd plan on banking sperm and then all of a sudden 
there was no sperm to bank. So he actually had to have another surgery where they removed part of his remaining testicle to get sperm. And then we have that frozen. Yeah. It was um, just an interesting thing. Like, again, I think advocating for yourself and for your partner is so important. These things that, you know, they told us fertility wouldn't be an issue, but we never thought to ask about after the surgery. So that's another thing, like advice, if anyone's dealing with this, is like, just ask so many questions. Even if you feel like that question has been answered, ask it in a different way, ask it another time, like until you are sure, until you feel confident in the answer, like it's okay to continue to ask questions. Right. Um, so anyway, um, there was no like real intimacy happening and then chemo came and chemo. No, I mean, really kind of knocked him on his butt, um, for a while there for those 12 weeks, but we did try to do, we did try to continue to do weekly date nights. (laughs) Those, those got really interesting really quickly. A lot of times it was us trying to like watch a movie and will falling asleep. Um, (laughs) but it was like, it worked, it was fine. Um, after he recovered, that's been our thing. We continue to do weekly date nights and it's been a really, really important part of our relationship. Um, and I would say like sex drive wise, it, he also recovered pretty quickly post chemo. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of amazing. Like, you know, you're just poisoning your, I mean, chemo is just poison, right? We're just poisoning your body. And then it's, it's kind of amazing how the body can recover from that. Um, it's it's pretty cool. Um, what they don't tell you until after is that you have to use condoms for a year because you're toxic. Like oh. we'll also for a year after had to what? pee sitting down. Yeah. Had to pee sitting down. Like so anyway, like the things that are coming out of you are still like poisoned by this chemo. Anyway, I just think I had, that's a fascinating whoa. tidbit. I've had no, I, right? I had no idea. We've had, I, I think your conversation 24 on the podcast and we have talked about the fertility aspect a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for us to harp on that, especially yeah. as we're geared towards young adults and they're making some of these decisions right now. And we're supporting some of the supporters that are also having some input in some of this decision as well. And it's just atrocious that some people weren't, educated around the fertility issues that might come up prior to some things happening. So setting all of that aside, I did not know about the peeing, like having to sit down and pee or putting condoms on for a whole year. It's so interesting. And some people say six months. Initially, we were told a year. I was like, um, let's not mess with that. Let's (laughs) do a full year because I don't want somehow my uterus to be poisoned. Um, But yeah, it's I mean, and that is it's a really, I think, um, I think if, if, if it's, uh, if it's a man dealing with cancer, um, I, I feel like just bank the sperm, like, do, because it's pretty simple. Um, yeah. like just do it. Obviously women, unfortunately, this is a lot harder. Um, you can't just bank our eggs, um, a lot more invasive, but yeah, it is. It's, it's a, it's a whirlwind because even if you think you don't want kids, I mean, it's just a big decision to make as a young adult, like, Hey, now decide your future. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, I'm just, like, I'm sitting I'm just trying here. to pay off my student loans. Like what's going on? Yeah. Especially if you haven't had the conversation with your parents yet. And then your parents are in the room and like right. doctors asking if you want to have kids, like, are you sexually active? It's like so many, like so weird many, invasive things so at, a, at the worst timing possible. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I yeah. went through all of that when I was first diagnosed. But what I didn't realize is how exorbitantly expensive it is to freeze eggs. Is it the same for sperm? And do you have any like resources if people maybe don't have the means to to bank their sperm? It's stupid expensive, just like everything in our healthcare system. Um, I wish that I did have better resources. Um, but I don't, um, it's just expensive and we were lucky. Um, we have, we had good insurance during with fertility stuff absolutely not covered by insurance. Like, Oh my gosh. Um, so it was nice because we didn't have a lot of out of pocket expenses. Otherwise we sort of used everything, um, to freeze, to freeze sperm, unfortunately. Um, but, but they do have kits where for men, they'll send you a kit in the mail. You'll do your thing. And then you can send it. Back. It's like, it's crazy. I mean, it's like amazing. The difference between sperm and eggs is just bananas. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 And <clears throat> things are even more complicated now with Roe v. Wade too. And all of that nonsense that got brought up there. But once again, oh, we yeah. ranted that about that in another podcast. I don't know if that's uh, really well suited for this. But as we wrap up the conversation, um, Kara, anything else that you feel like from Laurel's lens, you would really like to ask uh, prior to her, you know, sharing a little bit of where we can connect with her and re-engage. And honestly, you should probably plug the health and wellness business as well. It seems like it just all interlaps pretty well together. Um, it totally so, does. <laughs> so Kara, I'll flip <laughs> things over to you to, to kind of wrap this up. Anything else uh, you we missed out on? No, I think Laurel, you're so amazing at being just so open and honest about this stuff. And like, I've never heard a caregiver say that they hated being a caregiver, yeah. but that is such an important conversation. So I just want to say thank you so much for, for being so open and coming on here. No further questions. You've been <laughs> <laughs> Laurel, tell us where can, where can people connect with you? If they resonated with something you said today, they'd like to stay connected and, you know, reach out, maybe say hi. What's a, what's a good place? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Laurel Hope Heart, um, H-A-R-T for heart. Uh, so yeah, L-A-U-R-E-L, Hope, H-O-P-E, Heart, H-A-R-T. Um, and yeah, don't be afraid to drop me a, G a DM. Like I said, I have all these amazing testy besties, even if it's not testicular cancer, even if it's not cancer, like, you know what, better if it's not cancer, let's just be <laughs> friends instead. Um <laughs> But truly, I I um I, I think it's really important to be um to be open and honest. And I appreciate you saying that because I think um vulnerability uh makes us feel less alone and and we're not alone, right? Like whatever you're thinking, your deepest, darkest thought is someone else is probably thinking, and we're all just too afraid to say it. So you gave us a a, actually a good amount of advice around good support, but we always do like to end with the question, what does good support look like to you? And feel free to elaborate on something that you've already talked about and or another thought that comes to mind if, if something else is really jarring out at you. Yeah. Um, oh, that's, that's so great. Um, don't underestimate just like acts of like people knowing you're thinking of them. So, I mean, the amount of like $5 Starbucks gift cards that my friends or, or people in my orbit would send me that really meant a lot to me, um, was really great and helpful. And again, this was 2020, right? So they couldn't come physically be there. That's like another great option. Um, but, and even if you don't have the funds to do that, just like a quick line, like thinking of you, um, 
you know, you don't even have to ask how people are doing because they're probably not doing well <laughs> if they're dealing with something like this. But just a quick something. Um, just I'm thinking of you or um, you know, five dollar Starbucks, like that was so helpful. Um, just like little things like that. I think showing showing someone that you are on their mind is really impactful and powerful. I would 100% agree with that. Laura Hope, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing so much great advice. Uh, say say hi and congratulations to Will. Um, hopefully Will. he continues to stay cancer-free, but uh, really excited to stay connected with you. And, and maybe in the future too, you teased it before we actually press record that you yeah. and Will might be putting a podcast together around his testicular cancer journey as well. So we'll share that out if that, uh, whenever that comes out as well and, yes. and let the audience hear from you firsthand. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. What a fun convo. <laughs>